Well, we close out the month of August and the end of the US summer doldrums. Will we see higher volatility? At the moment, we are seeing US equity markets and global equity markets fairly well supported and pushing a little bit higher. We see the US dollar closing out what's been a pretty good month uh, up against all G10 currencies. But will that continue as we go into September, where traditionally it does pretty well? We look at trades in the Aussie dollar, the euro, the pound and also the gold. It's time to get in front of the charts. This is The Trade-Off. Well, hi there, I'm Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepstone. And as always, I'm gonna be joined by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we will be talking about all the big talking points in the financial markets. We'll be looking at the different setups, the trades that we like, and some of the trades that you guys are looking at as well. But before I do, we've just had it straight through the hot, hot through the press. YouTube have sent us this lovely little plaque just to show us 100,000 subscribers to the Pepperstone YouTube channel. Of course, the trade-off is a must post of that, the channel. So thank you for everyone who's subscribed to the channel over time, and thank you to Blake, who I'm going to bring into the channel now, who's been right at the epicenter, as has Michael Brown and Ryan as well as part of the show, as Quasar and all the other people who have been very much involved. So great to see YouTube recognising the growth and uh, you know, hopefully we can get to, the, to, I think, what's the gold one? A million subscribers or so. So obviously a bit of, bit of a way to go off. But thank you, Blake, for, for being part of the channel and obviously being part of the mass post of, uh, of the show as well. So continue going all it forward. Is it is my pleasure, and I, I just want to thank everybody who listens in uh, and is part of this. Yeah, I mean, you guys are what makes it, and and you know, we're trying to incorporate your 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 comments, your questions into the show just to make this the greatest trading show on earth, and um, you know, and 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 well, well, well beyond the UK. A trade-off as well. Recognise, mate. Recognise. That's uh, it's going well. <laughs> anyway. Long, <laughs> long forward. Hopefully, we can, uh, we can, we can generate some alpha going forward. We'll see what happens there. But anyway, let's go to topical funder, Blake. I want to get some of your views on some of the big talking points on the trading flows. We're closing out the month of August. Uh, we roll into September. We can go into cover that in the looking ahead section and. You know, it's been a, a, a whippy ride, I guess. You know, the dollar's closing out on a firmer footing uh, up against all major currencies. I think the MEX has been second best. It's done quite well. Obviously, carry's still very much in focus there. Uh, but we've started to see a re-emergence last four or five trading sessions. Uh, you know, the NASDAQ's broken for its 61.8% retracement. We've got Apple looking like it wants to go and fill the gap into 190. Yeah, Google's broken out to the top side. The S&P's looking pretty chunky at the moment. Uh, maybe there's some rebalancing going on there. But yeah, generally speaking, equities are finding their mojo. And the question I want to ask you, Blake, I mean, with, with volatility still pretty low, I know we're coming in and, and the big hitters are coming back to their desk and, you know, maybe they'll chuck a bit of size around. We'll see what happens there. Um, but at the moment, yeah, with vols low, equities moving up, I, I, I can talk about broad sentiment, but I think I want to hone it in onto the NASDAQ and, and equities. Can we see new time highs coming through in that market? We're what less than three and a half percent away from all-time highs. I mean, why why couldn't we? I, I guess that's the question I have to ask: is why can't it? The only the only thing that uh, I am a little bit hesitant about. Um, first of all, I wouldn't want to stand in the way, try to short equities right now, knowing how close we are. Uh, but positioning was really off, and I and I, I've called this the the, the Michael Burry squeeze. Um, you know, there's a lot of <laughs> hype around him. 
I, I'm sorry. I mean, it is. I mean, think about it. It, you know, he's a longer term guy. He's positioned for some, you know, major crash in the months ahead. But you know, when his positioning makes headlines, it gets people all excited about being on the short side. And next thing you know, you get a squeeze because positions offside. And that's what's happening. Low volatility environment. VIX just filled a gap. Um, so that, that's something to pay attention to. Uh, but the VIX is down. Volatility is down. Stocks are stronger. Could we push to all-time highs in the NASDAQ? Again, I asked the question, why can't we? Now, I have to also imagine that all the traders, whether they're at the on the French Riviera, they're in the Hamptons, wherever they're at, I I, I was you know I shared with our community like the old gift from uh, the the gift from um, oh, oh the Wolf on Wall Street when they're just you know on their yacht you know partying it up. I, I can just see people big money just sitting there salivating saying man i cannot wait to get in front of my computer the first week of september to lay into this so i uh, you know hey volatility is low yeah let it rock and roll well i mean i want to keep kudos to you blake i know you've got a couple of holiday houses in the hamptons but you still you still front up you still get in front of the screens and, and turn up for the show so thank you for that um I agree. Volatility is key here. If we were to see realized vol moving up, then you're going to get the volatility dynamic funds looking to take money out of the market as as as, as vols push up. Yeah, you know, CTAs would then have to adjust, and 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 you're going to get this kind of flows coming through. Uh, yeah, you know, dealers would be you know, increasingly short gamma, and 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 that would have big implications as well. So, for me, on the higher time frames, I mean, obviously you can scalp in today if you're into that. Um, but if you're looking at the high frames, you know, four hour, one hour, uh, one daily chart, one week, I think you make a great point right now. It's going up. I, I'm either long, I'm not, and I have no position in in, in those equity indices. Um, but I think shorting in this current domain is 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 a lower probability trade. So yeah, I think there's it favours further upside here. Um, but you'd either be I'd either be flat and no position or long. But I think yeah, shorting is is, is a tough one with those dynamics. Those dynamics need to change, and then you're going to have a higher probability of getting those shorts away. And that brings us to our next topic, Chris: the PCE and NFP. I, I'm I'm more thinking about it from a dollar play and dollar okay. point of view, mm. which I want to talk about here in a second. But that really kind of goes back to your previous comment. I I think if the market is going to turn, what we've seen is we've seen bad data drive the market higher, yeah. and and that's what's happened over the last couple of well, we could actually go into last week too. Um, so. You know, people are are of the of the view right now. If the the data is relatively weak, today's by the way, today's ADP data uh, in the U.S. is a I called it a Goldilocks number. It wasn't it was weak, but wasn't too weak. Eh. And if you see U.S. data weaken, but it's not like super weak, that 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 says, oh, you know, well the Fed's going to stay defensive. They're not going to. Maybe they're not going to raise rates this next month. And let's go ahead and rally stocks because you know we're not losing jobs, but. The PCE data, uh, the, uh, the the and the NFP data, that's going to be really really key going into uh, going into the end of this week. And so I think that's what uh, that's what you know the market's going to be looking at is you know what's happening with personal consumption and expenditures, what's happening with jobs report. And I can't answer that question right now that bad data is going to be good for stocks, but that's the trend we've seen the last couple of weeks. I, I do want to also say this. The dollar's got some great setups for either direction, but I think the dollar will be somewhat binary, meaning bad data, bad for the dollar, yeah. good data, good for the dollar. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, there you go. 
I think you make some what good points. Think? I mean, yeah, if you want to play the cleanest expression, you're going to get it in the treasury market and, and you're going to get it in the US dollar. But what you're not going to get is the equity reaction, which could be, like you say, you know, um, if we get that bad data, it, it, it just means the way that you interpret that is that the Fed aren't going to raise rates. Yeah, certainly they're not going to raise rates in September. I mean, that's a done deal. But whether they raise rates in November is, is a point of conjecture. And what's the terminal price? Um, so, yeah, bad data means that the Fed are, are going to stay higher for longer. Um, when we get the change in sentiment is comes when bad data equals bad for risky assets. And that's because we start really pricing in a recession. We're not there yet at the moment. Um, but you'll see the reaction explosion in, you know, higher in gold. Um, and, you know, you see that in, in rate cuts being brought forward as well. So at the moment, bad data is good um, for risky assets like, like tech and, and equities because yeah, it means the Fed are going to hold off. I think bad data becomes bad for risk when we start saying, well, actually, there's a trend developing now. And actually, we're going to start seeing the Fed having to normalise policy um, much sooner rather than later. And anyway, I think the, the PCE number and the payrolls number, the question is, is, is which one's going to be the more have the higher propensity for volatility for us as traders? You know, and I'll, I'll ask this question before we hand it over to China. But um, you as a risk manager, Blake, as a trader, um, you're looking at your dollar exposures. Are you concerned with holding dollar exposures over core PCE or are you, are you more concerned about the NFP side? I am more concerned about the NFP and I do have some dollar exposure right now. And the thing is, is like right now I'm long dollars going into tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to be that way after tomorrow's data. So what I'd like to to, to have is like, and, and this is part of the dollar playbook, is if the dollar does strengthen because the PCE data is still showing, you know, inflationary pressures, let's just put it that way, and, and the dollar remains firm, then I, I, if I have enough runway, I don't mind carrying those positions into the jobs report if I've got already some profit. But I do think the bigger um, reaction is going to be the jobs report actually on Friday because, you know, we, we know and, you know, whether it's this month or maybe it's two months from now, we're getting really close to the data turning and maybe turning in a more meaningful and trending way. So, you know, is it this month? Is it next month? Is it, you know, in November? I'm not sure, but I know we're getting close and I think everybody can sense that. Well, the data at the moment is going the way the Fed wants it to do. You know, we saw that in the JOLTS report. Um, yeah. The time when we start seeing consistently below 160,000 on the payrolls, I think that's the time when, the, when you can say with, with, with conviction that the Fed had done. Um, there is still a 50-50 chance they raise in November. So, yeah, this payrolls number, this PCE number could have a bearing. And then going to September, the 13th of September, when we get the CPI number, that will give us some, some clarity as well. Anyway, I want to touch on China because, yeah, you can't go past what China's doing at the moment. I mean, it's, it's front page news. Um, yeah, they, 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 they've started giving us more on the fiscal side of things. Um, yeah, banks are cutting mortgage rates, I think 10 basis points for existing Mortgage holders, uh, yeah, whether that, that frees up enough capital to, to see households start spending is yet to be seen. But I think it's a message that gets out to people that the, that the authorities have your back and they want you to spend. And people in China typically do pretty well aligning their investment and their spending habits with what the, the message, the psychological message that they're hearing um, from you know, the government and, and, the, and the, the central bank. We've heard um, you know, other, other various messages that are coming through, certainly stamp duty being cut by 50%. Is again not something that's going to change the game, but again, it's just a, it's something that says we want the stock market higher, we want it supported, and and if you buy when 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 you're getting told to kind of a, a sort of indirect message like that, then then typically you've done pretty well. 
Um, again, so we saw a bit of a short-term boost um, for Chinese equities. Um, we are seeing a lack of conviction. So we're seeing you know, markets spiking higher on the open, you know, sellers coming in. So there's not huge conviction to make this, this bull trend. Dollar CNH um, has started to move up a little bit again and, and you know, probably would be trending higher if it wasn't for the fact that every day at quarter past 11 Eastern Standard Time, the PBOC come and push back on that yuan strength with record fixings every day. Um, and I would yeah, love to try, try that. Aussie dollar is probably a better trade there. So how are you seeing China now? Is there something in there in, in the substance that gets you excited that, that says this can last or is this just a trading market for you? Well, uh, first, first of all, I think you said like one of the key uh, uh, words that that need to be talked about is is uh, China fiscal stimulus. Um, you know, because I think the big issue with China right now is confidence. It's a confidence game, and it's it, it, you know when you see Evergrande and Country Garden and everything else in the news, it's freaking out the the Chinese consumer because the Chinese consumer right now is hunkering down. They don't want to buy that uh, that other property. Matter of fact, they'd rather be selling the property. They don't want to. They they don't want to be spending. They want to be, um, you know, they want to be saving. And and that right now is it's it's sentiment. It's kind of like it's kind of like that inflation genie. You know, when the inflation genie, as we have obviously seen over the last year, gets out of the bottle, it's hard stuff in that genie back in the bottle. Sentiment's the same way. If you if sentiment turns, especially with Chinese, for crying out loud, you you, you know you have a culture which I happen to be half Chinese. Um, uh, you know, you have a culture that is, you know, uh, just pre predisposed to really just save and you're trying to, you know, completely change a culture into more of a consumer driven, uh, culture and society. It's obviously tough. And so when they get in their saving mode, it's hard to, hard to, you know, right, switch sentiment and, and change it. And I think that's what the PBOC is really struggling with right now. And I think that's what China's struggling with right now. So, uh, I, and you can see that the market is obviously not um, buying it because when you have these gaps up, you know, you see Hang Seng or, or uh, Shanghai, excuse me, gapped up 5% and it closes the day up, whatever it was, like 2% or 1.5%. I mean, that 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 just sh sh shows you lack of conviction that the market has that China- International investors are just not, uh, are not getting involved. You can see that in the flows. But yep. I think, yeah, for me, dollar CNH offshore yuan was the trade of the year for me. Um, yeah, when you're seeing these export numbers just dissipate, yeah, massive collapse in 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 foreign demand at a time when China was ramping up their manufacturing involvement in the world, then yeah, it just made sense to give off, you know, give yeah, give their you know, purchasing power to the to, to the importers, foreign importers. Um, but the problem is, is that yeah, that that creates a weak yuan. Uh, China will be def uh, exporting their deflation around the world. But the problem is, is that you also incentivize capital outflows, which tighten financial conditions. So there's this really nice balancing act in China at the moment between, you know, wanting a weak yuan to 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 have people support their goods and support their purchases, but also stopping capital outflows, which create tighter financial conditions when China is slowing. So what it does is it creates intraday, you know trading opportunities to range trade, I think, rather than just go for that that outrageous trend, which I was thought was, was going to happen. Anyway, we'll see what happens there. Well, we'll see. We'll see if it does happen. I'll tell you what, if we do get a breakout in the C US dollar CNH, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start hunkering down. I'm I have gonna, huge uh, implications gonna, for dollars more broadly. Yeah. If we did see the dollar, you know, going on a one-way yeah. trend, the dollar would rally against Euro and against the Aussie and, and Kiwi and stuff. And, and to, to, I know we're up against really big resistance around current levels, but let's not just forget the trend of the last year has been strong dollars, weak won. 
you know, or remember. So anyway, um, great topic of conversation. I think China should be uh, on your radar. Uh, the headlines are going to be moving, especially for those of you that are uh, trade in the, the, you know, the, the Asian time zone, like those of you that are in Australia and New Zealand and, and around the Pacific uh, area. Anyway, uh, I, I want to go to our next topic, Chris, and I want to talk about looking ahead because we are, this is like the last month I, I was you know, I've been telling traders, this is like my least favorite month to be in front of the computer. But at the same time, it, it, next to like the Christmas holiday, if you celebrate it, it's, you know, the end of December, that week, the week before, it stinks, you know, the lack of liquidity, things are very jumpy. But at least then we get to look forward to opening Christmas gifts. Those of us that celebrate Christmas or, you know, or whatever. Anyway, um, the reason why I bring this up is, you know, everybody's trying to wrap up uh, the end of summer, but looking into September, we've got a lot happening. And and I, and I, I want to ask, like, if there's anything that I might have missed here, but I, I just want to say, you know, on September 4th, as soon as, you know, traders start getting in front of their computer, we have the RBA. Uh, on the 6th, we have the Bank of Canada. On September 8th, we have um, the Canadian employment data, because it's not going to be this Friday, like the US jobs report, it's going to be next friday i guess it would be next friday uh on the 13th we have us cpi on the 14th we have the ecb the 20th everybody's waiting for it we got the fomc and you know that's going to be obviously a market mover but on the 21st we have the swiss national bank the bank of england and the boj so lots of central banks lots of events that are happening this next month and remember full liquidity comes back to the market and i was trying to explain to people you know the first week back after you know, right after the, the the RBA meets, you know, you got all these asset managers and, you know, they're in meetings, they're trying to figure out how they want to position themselves going into the end of the year. And September typically is a pretty, it's a down month uh, for the most part. Uh, so that means there's, there tends to be some risk selling. So um, anyway, those are some things that are, that I'm thinking about going into next month. Is there anything specific that you're thinking about going into September? No, I think you covered them off uh, very well. Uh, I think the CPI number on the on the 13th is going to be a really big one there. Just going to sort of solve yeah, the market sort of debate whether we get November uh, as a rate hike from the Fed. Um, the FOMC meeting will obviously be really well watched because it's the quarterly meeting and therefore we get a new set of economic projections and dot plot projections and we'll just see you know, whether the, the, the Fed are, are starting to see some vulnerabilities kick in. But I, I suspect they probably wouldn't be. Um, and, and, you know, we probably won't see huge changes playing through there. So I think you've covered it off pretty well. I think, yeah, having an open mind, um, you know, to how this all might go down. I mean, I could easily make a case that the market goes lower, risk assets go lower, the dollar rallies like we've seen, you know, last six Septembers in a row, we've seen the US dollar index rally. Um, it is the worst month in the last 15 years to be long um, the the S and P, the Nasdaq, the Oz two hundred, yeah, equity markets generally do do pretty badly, but the percentage actual changes is, is is not great. But the dollar has worked pretty well over the last six six September. So this is time any different. Um, I think yeah, the the, the FOMC meetings, uh, the, the the CPI number is going to be really important, um, and that's going to set us off. So yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, can we get new highs in the in the Nasdaq playing through there? We're going to have to be looking at Nasdaq. We're going to have to be looking at Microsoft. We're going to be looking at IBM. We're going to be looking at, sorry, not IBM. We're going to be looking at Apple, those kind of names. And of course, yeah, can we start seeing a higher uh, VIX? I mean, if we were to see realized volatility and implied volatility, not just in equities, but in rates moving up as well, rates volatility, 
then then that would be the the trigger for me to start looking at shorts much more aggressively. Uh, because yeah, when vols move up, that's when you see de-risking and deleveraging playing through. At the moment, volatility is too low, uh, and people are going to drip feed cash into the market. So yeah, lots of event risk playing through there. I think you've covered it off pretty well there. So let's hope for a, a lively, uh, lively one. But in volatility, I think is is absolutely essential. It's not just essential for our risk management, understanding how much risk we're taking on, our position sizing, um, but also directional. And and yeah, the volatility itself plays into flows and 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 who's moving money around. So really, really important there. So that's one of the key central points for September as liquidity comes back on. So good to cover it off with you, Blake, and I look forward to uh, hopefully what's going to be a lively September. Anyway, let's go to the charts that matter. Let's go to That's a Setup. All right, Blake, uh, I want to touch up with our old fr recession friend, our recession hedge, uh, Mr. Yellow Metal Gold. If we can bring that up. Look, yeah, we've seen it. A nice move up from from those lows just just above eighteen eighty, and you've had a nice melt up in in that situation. Um, we've we've hit back into the sixty one point eight percent retracement of that of that sell off we saw between July and August, um, and yeah, we're starting to find a few sellers kick in. Uh, didn't see a huge amount of resistance at the thirty eight point two percent, but uh, now you have seen some heat coming out of real rates. I mean. 10-year real rates were going up into 2%, and we've just seen them pull back about 15 basis points or so. Uh, the US dollar in the last few days has, has lost a little bit of ground, and you know that's promoted. I don't think people have necessarily priced in a, a greater chance of recession, but we have seen some, some evidence that uh, the data doesn't suggest we should see further rate hikes and maybe just some positioning that, that's come through in a market that was, that was pretty unloved. Uh, so how, how are you seeing the gold market at the moment? I mean, I personally um, have no real reason from a longer-term time frame to be short. Um, even though I say the investment case is not great, but yeah, I think yeah, right now the, the momentum indicators still suggest yeah, either being neutral or long. Um, but that sixty one point eight percent has been pretty fierce resistance. How are you playing this, Blake? Well, uh, first of all, I'm not playing gold. I, I'm you know because I'm playing the dollar predominantly, uh, and and I have to say we I know we talked about it about two weeks ago off the bounce off the you know around the two hundred day moving average the nineteen. 100 level, there was a quadruple confluence down there. So we got a nice rally from there and actually it exceeded further than I thought it'd go. But the reason why I think this is a great setup, Chris, going into the next two days is because if you drop a trend line from that red circle that you have up there at the spike highs, you drop it just across the, the, the tops, you have a descending trend line. It coincides with right where we're at, right around this 1945 level. So in the spot market, so we know that you know a, a sustained breakout of like 1950 that's bullish gold and if it does reverse and we see some dollar strength because let's just say us data is not backing off and uh and we see you know the dollar rally gold's probably going to head back down towards 1900 so i think it's a great setup right where it's at right now for bulls or for bears just i think you got to wait for the data in the next two days yeah right and we'll clear that out i mean i i do think the key level that, that we're watching most and more importantly, I mean, I think we buy strength. So, you know, breakout above that 61.8 takes us into 1981. That's the big level. That's where CTAs will need to cut back on on on, on, on short positions. Yeah, that's where the, the sort of line is. They might, yeah, they'll, they'll start averaging that down. That'll just propel it higher. But you can see that that 1981 level has been the big supply level for gold. So I kind of want it to get there, not just because yeah, I want to get long into that level, but just to see how it reacts. I think that's such a big level just from a from a positioning perspective, um, but also from a technical perspective. We've, we've, we've tried that level so many times and it's been a, a wealth winner every time. So yeah, I'd I want to just see it into that level just to, to get another sense whether it can break through. 
All right. Well, that's a that's a that's a good one. I think that's a great setup right where we're at right now. And I think it could go either direction. And I think, you know, you you you've got you've got a good setup. And I love setups. The setups right. are <laughs> ones that you'd be watching. Right. That, well, that, I mean, again, uh, this the, is this is a pure read. If bad news will be good for gold. I mean, bad data will be good for gold. And and that's 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 another easy one. If you want an easy trade, if you want to, uh, uh, yeah, to understand your risk, we've got this data point coming out. What's the reaction in markets? You're not necessarily going to get that in the equity market. So it's hard to see and manage your risk because you know, I don't know if it's going to be bad for markets or good. But yeah, with gold, you know that bad data will be good for gold. Right, right. It's it's just it's like a binary dollar play. Gold's the same way. It's funny, you know, going back to our previous conversations about, you know, the jobs report and PCE and all that other stuff. It's like I can I can make the argument about you know buying the S and P or or stocks or risk on good or bad data, but with gold and the dollar, it's pretty binary. It's pretty 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 black and white. So uh, love the setup. Okay, I know we need to move along. I'm going to take us to our next setup, which is the Aussie yen. It isn't um, actually. This is a viewer question from Mike. Mike said he he, he loved the uh, the euro dollar long play. Hopefully, uh, Mike, you got to play the euro dollar long off that uh, 108 support. Big 200-day moving average, but he wanted to take a look at the Aussie N. Thought it was very similar um, about the reaction. Now, with the Aussie N, I want to point out that we are at the 50% retracement. We've broken out of a descending channel, and we are stalling at a broken trend line, which is in blue. And if you take it just down to a four-hour chart, that really capped us today. So, and you can see some highs. If you just look left and go look at the highs back on uh, August 15th and August 9th or 10th, right around there, we spike, we, we'd spike right into these levels that we're finding resistance at. So the Aussie end's not super clear to me, but I'll tell you something that is clear is if you look at the 6J, which is the yen, uh, you know, the, the continuous contract of the yen uh, as a whole, it looks like it's ready to break down. And so if that does happen and we see the dollar yen spike up to 150, Aussie N is going to get dragged, whether it likes it or not, it's going to get dragged above that 95.50618 retracement. So um, I, I, that's kind of how I'm seeing the Aussie N. It's not a great clean setup to me, but I wanted to address that because Mike asked us last week. What do you think here, Chris? Well, I think you're right. The, the, the problem, look, if you've got Euro Yen, which is just broken out, We've got sterling yen, yeah. like it wants to break out, and, and I quite like long. And I was going to use sterling sterling yen longs as my play of the day. The, the, the thing that concerns me is that we're about 10% above the 200-day moving average. And, you know, go over the last 15 years, whenever we've got that that premium, that's been the, the where the, the sort of mean reversion trades kick in. And, of course, you've got – I don't think Ministry of Finance are going to come out and, and, and necessarily – yeah, buy the yen in the in the market anytime soon. I don't think we're there yet, but obviously it remains a risk. So, yeah, I've I've looked at other trades there, but yeah, I I, I think in this environment with volatility still pretty low, equity markets trending higher. Yeah, I, I think this is just a yen trade. I don't think this is necessarily an Aussie trade. Yeah, if China continues to find buyers, and we don't know if that's a big if, um, then then the Aussie is probably a great great trade to to be long against the yen in that environment. So. Yeah, I think if you're going to be long, if you're going to get that breakout, then we want to keep an eye on the Hang Seng. We want to keep an eye on the copper market, um, and and that needs to push higher. And, and we probably need to see a higher, um, you know, a, a, a move um, lower in dollar CNH as well. So good China. If, if, if you're bullish China, this is the play. 
Uh, otherwise, for me right now, you know, I still prefer sterling yen and euro yen as, as, as a sort of a momentum move there. So we'll see what happens there. I want to take take another viewer question. Ian Peacock uh, wrote to me directly about the cable trade and sterling against the US dollar. If you have a look at it on a weekly chart, we were talking about this, um, that it actually printed a bearish outside week reversal last week. That low has been held. So obviously with reversals like that, you want to see you know, price make a continuation and, 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 and trade through the lows, which is why so many people use you know, sell stop orders uh, and trying to ride that momentum. Now, those lows have held in. What we can see on the daily chart, Blake, is you've got that kind of head and shoulders pattern playing through. The neckline was broken. We got the false breakout. And then we've started moving to the upside. Obviously, you know, just broad US dollar sell-offs in the last couple of days has helped that. But the sterling's been... Uh, has been a, an outperformer. And what I wanted to do um, was, was looking to sell weakness and, and, and as it moved down, look to add into that position. Uh, that, that trade hasn't, hasn't materialised. Um, the question is, is have we got 128 on this at the moment? There's not a lot of data driving the pound at the moment. We have to wait for, for, for other information. The Bank of England, yeah, the next meeting is fully priced at 25 basis points. Um, it looks like the supply comes into 128. I want to trade this into 128, given that false breakdown of their neckline. Um, but how are you playing this at the moment? Well, uh, I'm I'm not playing it. I, I actually shorted a little bit earlier today, and I'll be out of that trade um, probably by the time I get off the show. Well, not that's not true. Probably in the next hour or two before I head to bed. Anyway, um, you know it's interesting. This if you if you kind of use your imagination because I can't draw on this chart that you have because it's a static chart. But we had a head and shoulder pattern set up and that breakdown or that false breakdown that you point out, it actually caught some traders off guard. It caught one of my colleagues, Dale Pinkert, caught him off guard. He's already covered. I think a lot of people that were short sterling, you know, playing the dollar on the, you know, playing the dollar on the long side, they kind of got shook out over the last couple of days because the dollars pulled back as a whole. Um, so I think it's more of a dollar story, but um, I, you know, I'm still wrangling with the idea, Chris. What is going to happen with the sterling as they as the UK deals with uh, you know um, uh, stagflation? And uh, I can't imagine it being super bullish for the pound, but uh, but we'll see. I mean, the jury's out right now, right? Well, absolutely. I mean, this is kind of new territory. Well, I, I, I think that. This, again, you make a great point. When we sort of trade through those lows, uh, we held the lows on the weekly, but yeah, there's there a lot of people who were who were positioned for a momentum move, and I think it comes back to the point that yeah, momentum strategies when you're buying breakouts or you're selling breakouts, yeah, quite a lot of them do fail. So you need to be taking that that loss pretty quickly and just realise that the win loss rates on some of these strategies is pretty low. But when you when you when you're in it, you've got to just extract as much juice out of it. There's no problem with losing, but when you win, you've got to try and win big, and and that's where we are. So I think a lot of people were holding this one. For a momentum move, um, you know, it failed and they've had to cut the profit, cut the cut out pretty quickly. So this this could again frustrate. I mean, you could easily see it roll down and, and make another tilt at those lows. But I think once you start seeing that moving up, and also the volatility kick up, I think that's when order book dynamics take place, and you and you start saying, well, yeah, we maybe got one twenty four that two hundred day moving average in there. But right now, it feels like if if you put a gun to your head, a gun to my head, and said, where's the more likely scenario, one twenty eight or one twenty four? I'd probably say one twenty eight. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, 128 it might be. Well, Chris, um, thanks for bringing that one up. And the, the next setup that I want to bring to you is the Aussie dollar. Now, uh, like I'd mentioned in the, on, on the, 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 uh, the topical thunder, we're waiting for the PCE and the jobs report. And, and it is going to be somewhat binary with the dollar. And I think the Aussie is a great setup as a result. It's a bear flag pattern. Uh, the moves you know, above 65 cents, finding resistance. 
you all should know, because I think we've discussed this already here, there's a very long-term trend line connecting from the COVID, post-COVID lockdown lows all the way back from 2020. It's that black line. It goes all the way to 64 cents, basically. That's holding us as support. I'm just going to say this. If the data comes in really strong uh, over the next couple of days, there's a good chance that the Aussie dollar could break through 64 cents and it's going to go a lot lower. That's a bear flag pattern. It points towards 62 or 60 cents if it really wants to play itself out. One of the other divergences and where I say it's breaking ranks is the green line chart is the S&P. You can see the big rally in the S&P, nice squeeze that we've had. The Aussie hasn't really played, uh, it, it, it's breaking ranks here. So if the S&P starts to move you know, higher or continues to move higher and NASDAQ hits new highs, it might drag that Aussie and break this bear channel and take us back above 65 cents and maybe start to get a move back towards the 200-day moving average. But it's a setup, and I think it could go either way. Chris, how are you looking at the Aussie here? Uh, yeah, again, okay, wait for the market to reveal itself, and I think you can increase the conviction because I think you've got two very, very clear defined uh, levels that you can work on, and, and that can affect you know your trading bias and, and, and how you're going. So I think this is this is one that you put on your on your radar, get your get your get your alerts out, and when it when it when it completes, then you can you can trade this. But yeah, I think yeah, China's that 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 has moved away from the S and P, but I think you've got to keep keep a more focused on the CN fifty, the H shares, um, and keep an eye on those copper. Can we break convincingly through three eighty a pound? Um, yeah, iron ore futures. They're probably what I'm looking at more closely. Um, as, as a proxy rather than the S&P. Those correlations with the S&P do come and go. Put a correlation matrix on, um, on, on TradingView. You can see, you can see that, that, that coefficient pretty clearly there as well. But yeah, I think you've got a really, really nice defined range. And, and I think once it breaks um, either one of those, then, then I think it will, the, the, the propensity to trend will be there for me. Um, so I like it. Again, it's one that I'm just going to revert to. I've got my alerts. Um, which way does it go? I don't know, bear flags typically 80% of them go down and down. And again, that really comes down to China. We're saying this before the PMI numbers coming out um, in the session. They're literally going to be coming out in the next hour and a half. Um, so, yeah, that, that could really impact them. Um, and, and we'll have to see what happens with the outcome there. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Yeah, as I said, I wanted to go Sterling Yen um, for the breakout. I think it's got further upside potential, but I just I, I wanted to bring up Euro CAD because it started to break out, and I, I just there, there's risks with the yen. We all love trading the yen. I know clients really you know, you know, really dig what's going on there, um, and this is a sort of a lower beta pair. Now we'll say that we talked about what's happening in September. The ECB meeting in, 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 is going to be a really big one there because the market's pricing that at 50-50, whether we get a rate hike, and so it's going to be pretty pretty live. And, and again, we're, we're, I'm saying this before we get the European CPI numbers. We've seen the German numbers; they were slightly better or slightly hotter, should we say? Um, but we're saying this before the EU CPI numbers that come out in the session ahead. Um, but look at this. I mean, in terms of the actual technicals, Blake, I'm seeing this breaking out of the the, the range. Um, it feels like this is something I want to go. I'm, I'm going to be looking to, to, to trade this from the long side. I'm going to take the time frame down. But you can see the overview here. And I just want to, as soon as some buying comes back into this, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be long. Um, and uh, yeah, okay, you're doing this before the CPI numbers, which could really dictate and influence that's, that, that ECB meeting mid, um, mid next month. But um, 
yeah, I think this has got structurally, it feels like this is going to squeeze up into 149. It's got that nice defined consolidation range. We're breaking to the top side. I feel like this goes up higher, uh, and I feel like this is going to go 149. So, yeah, I'm going to be trading this with some, you know, take the time frame down. Momentum come into that, and uh, yeah, I'll be taking this one up for 149 or so. Well, I, t I tell you, Chris, you know, despite the stickiness that we see in uh, we see in crude oil, and uh, I say stickiness, the strength that we see in crude oil, it hasn't translated to Canadian strength. So, man, if, if crude oil rolls over, you could you could have some serious oh, look, Canadian. We, and and, and we, we, you know, I could make a convincing case that euro goes much lower. I mean, the, the, the economics in Europe are yeah. looking as vulnerable as they can in G10. Um, but the price is the price, and right now the the market's telling me that they favour euros over CAD, and and you know I think this can kick higher into 149. So I'm sure there's people out there in the audience are sitting there going, Europe looks a basket case. Did you see those manufacturing numbers? Did you see those service numbers? Inflation is going the right way, and we're starting to see somewhat more concern from the ECB. But yeah, right now this is this is this is starting to move a little bit higher, and um, yeah, I think it, it continues to kick. I think about uh, about eight, seven or eight hours from now, we're going to have that eurozone yeah. CPI number and. That could be a great, well, it's, it's, great it's a concern. Great. It's a concern. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Chris. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my play of the day, which happens to be the dollar Swiss. It's the Swissy and Swiss to get the cheese is the title. And look, uh, I have to say this: I don't have a position short dollar Swiss. I'm trying to get short. Um, I, I I you know knew the the key resistance was at 8870.8870. We came within a couple of pips. Some people in our community knew that we've been looking at this descending channel. Uh, it's a 50% retracement, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, if I can get sh short somewhere near there ahead of the jobs report, that's what I'm trying to do. I think U.S. data is going to start to weaken, and I want to play into what could potentially be weak data. The flip side is if we break above 88.70 on good data, strong U.S. data, and let's say I'm wrong, which I sure as heck could be, then a reverse short dollar Swiss move back up to the 200-day moving average. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a stop and reverse trade on the dollar Swiss if I'm short and I get stopped out. So that's how I'm gonna play the dollar Swiss. I'm gonna try to play it short. I've got orders out ahead of uh, the jobs report on Friday, and uh, wish us luck. For those of us that are, <laughs> Good luck, are trading it. Yeah. And for Thanks. everyone out there, thank you very much for watching. If you could smack the like button, we'd appreciate that. Obviously, if you've got a setup you want us to cover uh, in the set, that's a setup, please feel free to reach out to one of us or get into the comments section. Tell us the setups you're looking at and how, and how they might go down and, and you know, anything that you want us to look at for next week. We'd really appreciate that too. And uh, if you've just got a general comment about how you're trading the markets, we'd love to see that. Anyway, for all you, uh, all you lovely people out there, we'll see you next week for more of the trade-off.